Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California, Feel Minnesota. I'm the Looking California portion of the program. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I am an acting coach and a writer, and I am joined by none other than Barry Anderson. I'm a director based in Minneapolis, and uh, we are here to talk about another, another quarantine movie. I thought when we started quarantine movies, like whatever, 15 months ago, that was going to be like a three or four month stretch. So I guess when do we, when do we stop talking about the quarantine movies anymore? Or is it just, is this just movies now? I think it's just movies. It's just movies. So this is, it's not, it's not quarantine anymore. Uh, We're we're quarantined, but it's not the quarantine. It's just real life. No, this is just movies. We got to (laughs) watch. Movies we have to watch. That's that's it. it. Tune in for the movies we have to watch. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, so the movie we're talking about today is One Night in Miami, which is uh, directed by Regina King, the actress, the uh, Oscar-winning actress and Emmy-winning actress. Um, It is written by Kemp Powers, who we talked about on our last episode. I know, there's a a direct connection. You see, it's it's all coming together. Uh, it's based on his play, also titled One Night in Miami. And it stars Kingsley Ben-Adir, uh, Aldous Hodge, Leslie Odom Jr., and Eli Gorey. Oh, music by Terrence Blanchard. Very impressive. Uh, I didn't like this, this soundtrack, but hey, good for him. Uh, the story of this film is... The play is set in a hotel room, so it's just one set. And uh, it's about the night... Cassius Clay uh, wins his heavyweight title against Sonny Liston. There's a party in Malcolm X's hotel room. And of course, Cassius Clay is there. And uh, Jim Brown, the football player uh, and actor is there. And Sam Cooke, the singer is there. And Kemp Powers uh, dramatized this get together. It's, uh, you know, we don't know what was discussed there, but he, created a discussion in his mind and put it to pen and now it's on movie theater on and it's on amazon which is where i saw this movie on christmas day when it was released um it's still on amazon prime so you can watch free there if you like and um the movie's garnering quite a lot of awards buzz uh uh let's see it's nominated for three golden globes um which is kind of funny to say because that means nothing which which uh, which which uh categories in the golden globes i didn't see that best director for okay. gina king best supporting actor for leslie odom jr who plays sam cook and best original song i don't know what song that is yeah okay um so there it is so the film let's see what kind of budget we're we talking it's a 17 16.9 million dollar budget uh running time 114 minutes and uh yeah so it's doing quite well it's it's well received getting sort of nominations for things i think it got it was nominated for sag awards too let me check yes nominated for again best supporting actor leslie odom jr and best cast in a motion most motion picture excuse me um so it's it's being well received so let's talk about this movie barry one night in miami um what are your thoughts about the film? You watched it last night after a very long, long, long day of every, flying. Every director hopes that people watch <laughs> their masterpiece the way that I did in the middle of the night on a TV screen at the house. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it fair that you asked me this question right away? Should we flip it back on you? Or, or yeah, you sure, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dive well, in. I'm going to say this. Can we can we just make one adjustment to how we talk about this movie before we get into it? Yes. Can we stop calling it a movie and start calling it a play? We we can. Okay. <laughs> we can do that. I, I'm happy to do it. Um, okay, here's I, my thoughts. Now, I, I wrote about this uh, film. Which I did not read in advance so that it, you, right. you couldn't poison I, my mind. Yes, we intentionally do that. We don't want Barry to be have the will be poisoned. So I watched the film and um, I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the performances I thought were really, really good. Very, very sharp performances uh, by the four actors um, in the room. I found it to be pretty flawed, but enjoyed it enough on first viewing that I recommend it to people. And I still do for the performances alone. Um, But I watched it again uh, this morning in preparation for this, just to refresh my memory. And boy, it, it really doesn't uh, hold up on more, more than one viewing. And I think why that is, is that um, Regina King, as a director, I think this is the first thing she's ever directed. I could be wrong about that. Let me check real quick. Um, I don't think she's directed anything else. Where is it? Oh, wait. Yeah, she has. Uh, oh, it's her first feature. Yeah, she's done done episodes of tv which as we all know that doesn't count so <laughs> regina <laughs> if you want to call in uh... yeah. yeah feel free regina um no but i think it's a function of her she's not a particularly skilled filmmaker and the opening of this film is really it's a it's a very it's an extended opening it's quite long and it shows all four characters individually going through a trying time. Um, and boy, it really runs on and it really just lacks any sort of vitality. And when the, the credits finally hit, you're like, yikes, what are we doing? And the movie takes a long time to get going. And then oddly enough for, for a play, Usually when plays are brought to the screen, they fail because the writing is written for the stage. So it's, it's, it's verbosity. That's what it's about. Whereas film, it's about, um, you don't, you don't say it, you show it, you know, and that's quite the benefit of movies. It's motion pictures, not motion words. And in this, Oddly enough, the play stuff, I think, works quite well because she, she, Regina King does a decent enough job of having enough minor camera movement in this one hotel room and having interesting enough angles and composition and things. And the actors really let go and they really connect with the material. And, and I feel that stuff is worth seeing. I wish that's all there was, but there isn't. She tries to expand it into like, the outside world and that's what the opening is all about and it falls flat and every time they leave that hotel room it's like the air just comes out of the balloon and that was my struggle with it i still really enjoyed the performances i i thought um the actor kingsley benadier who plays malcolm x 
is particularly good. And part of that could be Kemp Powers writing how he writes that character. And part of it, I just think is, is Ben Adir's uh, approach. Leslie Odom is, is very convincing as is uh, Eli Gorey who plays Cassius Clay. I just like Aldous Hodge as an actor. He's uh, an appealing presence. So I enjoyed the film and I do recommend people see it, but it's not a great movie. And okay. if, if, I'm being, it's, it's if I'm being blunt, <laughs> right. If I'm being blunt, it's, it's not, it, 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 it's a, it's an average movie slash, I, and I'd love to see the play. I've never seen the play, but having seen this, I'd be like, Oh, I'd be fascinated to see how much better this is on stage. If it's better, I, I only assume it is um, than it is on screen. So that's my approach. I, I was disappointed on second viewing, um, but I, I still took things from it that I enjoyed. It, it's, it's a slog watching it the second time though. I'll tell you that. I, and I was quite dismayed by that <laughs> as, as I tried to get through well, it. I, was like, I mean, Good. I think, and just for people who don't understand kind of what in it, you correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, Mike, but part of the reason that we critique movies and we talk about movies and we try to understand is not by any way supposed to be, I want to be negative. I want to tear people down. It's about what the art form can be and how close on the scale do filmmakers get there and what's worth that journey. Cause not every movie is going to be at the top of the food chain. So having movies that you can watch once and enjoy, or maybe aren't, you know, artistically perfect, you know, all those are valid options, but we're just trying to kind of rank and see, you know, what works, what doesn't, and how things could be made better. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of that. It's, it's a very watchable movie. You know, I think most people who see it, you know, won't be, you know, won't be like, well, that was a waste of time. Um, if you bought the DVD, the number of people that would take it off a shelf for a second, third or fourth viewing is probably extremely low. Um, I did think the, the most troubled part was the directing. There were some scenes I thought that were shot as a stage play, the way that it was, the camera was set up and the way the characters were interacting, the audience was too outside of the emotion that they were sharing. And then there were times where she would pivot and put the camera in a different position that brought you inside of their argument or discussion or trying to understand where each character was coming from. I was like, oh, do more of that. And then would go back to a weird Ooh. angle that like in terms of coverage, it works. But in terms of, you know, taking it away from a, a stage play and bringing the audience directly in there to kind of be intimate with these characters as they're, you know, they're friends they're struggling with you know larger issues of society and what where is their place and what's the appropriate actions to take and sometimes they're at odds sometimes they're in denial sometimes they're correcting and it was just i liked how each character kind of had to go through ins and outs and you know kind of figure out where where was their responsibility what could they do and what can they just enjoy in life and just be okay with that and i just thought some some of the staging made it feel like a stage play. And I think to some degree, you know, I know this is based on real characters and, you know, this event didn't happen, but, you know, a lot of the events in the movie are based on historic fact. I don't know enough about all four characters to know which parts they took liberty to. So I wasn't trying to analyze like, you know, 
is this is there meaning behind here is this trying to be totally factual but i think they were just trying to take the broad strokes of who these characters were dabble in enough of you know what happened in real life but you know kind of create this fictional time where they all kind of intersected and to me i agree that the performance is really good i really liked the guy that's nominated for um a golden globe i thought he I thought he was a great actor. I also really resonated with his character and that character's arguments for what they did. I thought he was, you know, grounded, but interesting. Um, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., the guy playing Sam Cooke, is who you're yep. talking about? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, I agree, the guy that plays uh, Jim Brown. I just like him. There's something. Yeah, he's just a likable dude. He's just a likable dude. Yeah. I mean, it's not, like, it's not like he's blowing you away, like, wow, that was a performance of Lifetime. Right. But... but he anchors it. And what I love is some of those times there was one scene on the, probably my favorite scene in the movie is the scene on the roof. I really thought that came to life and I didn't like the bodyguards for uh, Malcolm X, but when <laughs> Jim Brown stepped up and he's like, you do not want me you know, kind yeah. of like, and you were just like, Oh yeah, I don't want Jim Brown, you know, coming at me either. <laughs> and the guy kind of backs down, puts up his hands. And I think with a different actor, even though he was shorter and smaller in stature than the bodyguard, you believed that that bodyguard would be like, yeah, I'm not messing with you. Um, I really liked the guy who played Malcolm X, but I thought it was a very uneven performance, but I don't know if it was an uneven performance via the actor, via the writing or via the directing. I thought that some of the pivots and changes in that character for me felt, well, now he needs to be this way. It was almost like, you know, at this stage of our play, he needs to be more combative or he needs to be more human now. And I didn't find that the journey of his character as understandable or as organic to everybody else's. Um, I thought the guy who played uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, there were times it felt a little bit like a, uh, 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 imitation. Yeah. An imitation. But then there were times where he caught the essence of Muhammad Ali, where you just, who would not want to hang out with Muhammad Ali at his prime? Right, yeah. His voice, his bravado, just, you know, the, I mean, it was just so appealing. And so there were parts where I was like, man, they're nailing this. And then there were parts I'm like, yeah, I'm in Vegas watching a, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an Elvis impersonator. Um, yeah. And again, I don't know if that was the material. I don't know if that was the directing or if the actor kind of, you know, lost in certain parts, didn't, you know, connect a, a, as were. But I mean, there were four really solid performances that I thought worked. Um, I did feel for most of the movie, it felt a lot like a stage play. And the biggest complaint I have about the directing is it was kind of in the middle-ish of the movie. It's when they started to kind of all kind of faction off. And when mm -hmm. I think, I think it was uh, uh, the singer that left, but like when there'd be a blow up, it would be like one of the characters would walk to the other room and take a pose and then action would continue behind it's like if i was pissed and i'm leaving i'm not waiting for a guy to walk to the other room and hit a mark and then leave like i'm leaving <laughs> and so there were times where like you know it was like all right you go there okay next action start and i just found that really distracting you know then then there's another pause and then the guy comes over to talk to him and he's like you shouldn't have done that and you're like that all that all happens on top of you know when things are ramped up you know, yeah, you can have all this action and yelling back and forth and movement. You know, that's what a stage play don't ha don't slow it down and add pauses. I, I thought that was a very odd choice that I thought was a mistake 
Um, I thought there was a lot of energy left on the table um, in this in this particular movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I I, I think the um, the inability to make things more compact in that way so it does it does feel staged at times yeah and you know oddly enough like i i was saying about um the opening the film opens with uh cassius clay fight he's fighting in london uh against this as he would call him a tomato can <laughs> and it's really interesting you open to open the movie with that because filming boxing is very very difficult to do well yes and it's not done well here i was gonna say they did not achieve i mean i've seen worse yeah but i've seen a lot better like so i mean yeah. this wasn't like a train wreck but it was definitely not if you're watching you know the most iconic boxer right at least of everybody living <laughs> that you you are in dangerous territory and they did not commit to like making sure that that felt breathed didn't and it had no sort of distinctive visual style to it it had it, it felt so it felt like a really cheap tv show you know and the way that that shot and the fact that it opens the film with that and then the actor eli gory is playing uh clay is that's the worst scene he's in is that opening scene yeah I, because I he he's he's so mimicking ali and it just it to me it just really really is a tough way to open that movie and i do wonder how they how they shot if they had everything from the credits forward which is the stage play i assume and then we're like oh we have to add these and, these four opening things i'd be curious to find that out because that op that opening thing with ali fighting it just doesn't work for me and it's really sort of cringy and i'm like oh no and then the sam cook thing comes on and you're like uh okay you know whatever and the only thing that works is oddly the aldous hodge one the jim brown one where and I, and I realize now why I like him as an actor, and it's because he's so grounded. He, yeah. is, he is just attached to the earth, man. Yes. And that's, that's what gives him his power. That's what makes that scene on the roof work is just, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this guy's, you know, a tree trunk. He's going to, like, knock me out. Let's just let it go. So I didn't like the opening at all. And then when you get into it, it takes so long to get to momentum. It, it, what what I found very strange is the the discombobulated four stories. I mean, I knew the least about Sam Cooke. Um, I didn't realize how prolific and how you know groundbreaking he was, but I didn't find that out in the beginning. I found right. that out in the story. <laughs> what like right. good movies do? They they don't force feed. So I I didn't know what I was gaining in the first four clips. Like it didn't. It there wasn't like little Easter eggs. That was like later on when they were having these arguments was like, oh, that's why they chose to do what they did. Like it wasn't connected in any way to the larger story or larger like character arcs. It was just like, oh, just in case people don't know who these people are, here's a little scene. And I, I thought that was rather weird. And then 
I I don't know if it was the first 20 minutes, half hour of the movie. It was much too like friendly and preachy. I was like, what what is the purpose of this movie? Like why why are these people together? Why, you know, why yeah. are we gonna spend two hours in this room? Like you and I sitting in a room, you know, for two hours, that's not a movie. Like, you know, what I mean there this guy just something. that's a great movie. <laughs> that's why people tune in to listen. <laughs> uh, but I just it, and then all of a sudden you're like oh this is what the movie is and exactly I like it came way too late i agree and and i actually as i said i watched it today um that doesn't happen it's not 20 or 30 minutes it's like over 45 minutes okay yeah, yeah I, knew, I knew i knew it was in the 50, first half but i wasn't sure exactly you're 55 when. minutes into this movie before any sort of real dramatic interaction is happening and but i thought in 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 it to give a compliment i think once that kicks in it's, it's great like, i mean it's like it grabs yes. you and you're like i'm on i'm on for the ride i um, couldn't agree more and that's what i mean by why i why i like the sort of stage play version of it because it's more compact yes. it's just and, and the problem again when you when you're uh adapting something from the stage is that you end up having to expand it for reasons and and you you keep the dialogue the way it is you know and it's like like Macbeth, for instance, like the opening of Macbeth is a big, long monologue by a guy saying like, oh, hey, there was a big fight and this is what happened. Yeah. And he tells it and it's like 20 minutes and you're just like, OK, dude, that's a great story. Whereas like if you're making a movie of Macbeth, you don't have to have that monologue. You just yeah. show it. And it's it's Braveheart. And you're like, oh, cool. And then we get into all the other stuff. But like in here, interestingly enough, they try and expand these characters, which are very well-known, famous people. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Correct. Like, I, I, I love Sam Cooke. Like, <laughs> Sam Cooke's one of my favorite singers. Ali, of course, is one of my idols. Like, Malcolm X is this great guy. And, and, like, Jim Brown is Jim Brown, for God's sakes. He's, like, the greatest. So, I mean, as every cinephile knows, masterpiece, airplane. Oh. I mean, right there. So that says everything you need to know. Is Jim Brown an airplane? Am I thinking the wrong movie? I, I'm pretty... yeah, I think you are. Uh, Dirty Dozen, dude. He's in the Dirty Dozen. I know he's in the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> oh, man. Ma feel... No, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem... <laughs> Kareem's in Airplane. I know Kareem. He's... I thought Jim Brown yeah. was too. I was. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm I, I can't imagine But then Brown we're going to say that he was in Mars Attacks. Is that better? Is, is that the <laughs> pinnacle movie? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm going to have to look up Jim Brown's. This is crazy. I'm looking up Jim Brown's filmography right now. Oh, I know he's. <laughs> what oh, I forgot, crazy I forgot world we in, live in. I forgot he was in Running Man too. I mean, Jim Brown. Was he really? Just, yeah, he was in a ton of movies, but I thought he was in Airplane. No, he was not in Airplane. So, yeah, I didn't. Think I'm he now was. being voted off the island, and uh, I'm no longer allowed to talk about historical movies because. But how funny would it have been if Jim oh, Brown was in Airplane? That maybe in my head, I just I've re, re, re the movie and insert. I mean, can you imagine him on that plane with the insanity? I think it would be amazing. <laughs> that that needs to go on the pantheon of things that should have been in an alter universe. I want to see. Oh, that's I couldn't agree more. Oh, Jim Brown. I hope they do another airplane and Jim Brown does it. <laughs> Please call the Zucker brothers immediately. This needs. Jeez, to that would be so good, man. <laughs> so good. Sorry, I derailed oh. your train of thought. I'm sorry. He he did do a three set three episode arc on uh, chips, just so you yeah. Know. Wow. I mean, he worked Jeez. a lot. Like people just think that, like you know, oh, it's a football guy that was in a couple movies. And you're like, 
He's been in more movies than most professional actors. Well, he has man. done a ton of stuff, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, get, getting back to this. Yeah. Play, sorry. <laughs> which Squirrel. we were meant to talk about. <laughs> right. I, Jesus. Um, so that the problem is that when it tries to fill out the history of these characters, I mean, I just don't think it needs to do that, and it takes. 20 minutes doing it 15 minutes and it's like yikes man what are we up to and again opening with the boxing thing is a is a really uh confident move and i just don't think the skills are there to back that up um and even the liston fight which they do show eesh, i mean it's it's just not compelling watching um but anyway, any other thoughts? I, I, I'll let you talk for a bit. Uh, <laughs> the worst segue in podcast history. Well, no. Uh, I'm going to give like, up. You just take it from here. Uh, okay? No, I have so much to say, but I feel like I monopolized the conversation. I'm like Amazon over here. No, I mean, I, I, what I think was interesting is I know they take four very prominent African-American, you know, iconic historical figures that were all kind of immersed in a lot of the early kind of, you know, civil rights and kind of the reshaping of America. And I feel like in today's time, it could have been overly like preachy or overly perfect. And I yeah. love the fact that, you know, people were questioning what they should do and they were pushing on friends or what, you know, you, you saw, you saw what I think these people would have been in real life, you know, do you really want to give up, you know, alcohol and partying to become like, you know, a Muslim? Do you want to join, you know, the nation of Islam or do you want to do this? You know, do you want to just make money or do you want to, you know, have a voice and say something? And all of them come with pros and cons. And this was them wrestling with the pros and cons of all of these decisions. And I just thought it was like, wow, kudos to you guys. Like you, you didn't, you didn't take like four perfect people that all had it figured out and we're destined to do great things. You you let them wrestle with issues. And yeah. that's what made it intriguing and interesting. And each person got to say something that maybe opened up the other person's mind a little bit on how to think about her or what was important. So it wasn't like one person dominated. I know early in the film, it definitely felt like Malcolm X was... I mean, there was a couple scenes, if I remember them correctly, because now you have me doubting my memory in movies, but it was almost like he was the one breaking secrets that they had told their spiritual leader. And he was like, by the way, I'm just going to tell everybody. And it felt kind of like, why are they hanging around this guy? He doesn't seem like a very like nice dude. And then he kind of evens out for the latter part. So I think the parts I had problems with was in that first section that I didn't think was as executed well. But it was just, I like that. I mean, everything from the movies, you know, Just Mercy, or I think there was a, a Thurgood Marshall movie. A lot of these yeah. historical ones, they're just from birth perfect and they just are destined to move there. And you're kind of like, well, that's not yeah, it, it, you know, it's but. the temptation is is a hagiography so that everything everybody is deified and it's yeah. this sort of and that's not this, which is to the play and the and the film's credit. But I think I, I just think want... it's a credit, but it also I think it makes it more interesting for the viewer. Like if they were oh, more question. deified, even even if, if even if it was accurate, it's not interesting. Well, um, perfect example is Malcolm X in this movie, played by Kingsley Benadire, and 
again, having not seen the stage play, uh, I, I can only guess. I assume it's written like this, but also that Benadir, um, his approach amplified these things. But, you know, Malcolm X is, first of all, he's playing a role that Denzel Washington. Yes. I mean, is so iconic. He just nominated for an Oscar for correct. Uh, should have won, but did not win. It's just an amazing performance in a, in a phenomenal movie, and he plays Malcolm X not as Malcolm X, the uh, icon. He plays Malcolm X as uh, he, he's he's actually quite unsure of himself. Yeah. And he's, he's actually very insecure. And that, so his sort of uh, domineering speeches and things like that, his, his very fervent um, uh, dialogue, it comes across very differently. It doesn't come across as somebody who is uh, speaking from the mountaintop. It comes across as somebody who's trying to find acceptance. He's a nerd. And he wants to be accepted by these three guys who aren't nerds, right? Yeah. They're, they're cool. They're like super successful. They all are rich and have jobs. As, and there's a great line in it where somebody says, you don't have a job. And Malcolm X is like, Ugh, and it crushes him when they're up on the roof. Another great example. And they take his camera. It's like a little kid being teased on the playground. And, Everybody feels that discomfort because the veil falls down and we see not Malcolm X, this icon. We see Malcolm X, this scared little boy, really. Well, I mean, that that they had a couple scenes in the movie, the one where they said that you don't have a job. But going back to my favorite scene on the roof, when Sam says one of us doesn't belong, it's a Sesame Street. One of us doesn't belong yeah. here. And the yeah. three you know, jocks and the successful ones are on one side and Malcolm X is staged over by himself and all three look at each other and they turn to Malcolm and it's like, everybody knows, but now it's uncomfortable. So no one's saying anything. And you're like, God, how many humans have felt that way before? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, such a human, you know, did a, were you ousted in a friend group where you're trying to become, you know, you thought you're part of friends, but you realize you're on the outside. I mean, I think that's such a universal feeling that it allows you into like, Oh, okay. I understand more what drives this guy. Um, yeah. And, and I yes. Yes. Work. Totally. That's that's true. It, you come to understand through that more what what drives him and that he was not a superhero. He was uh, a guy who was afraid, you know, a lot of the time. And that doesn't it's not to take anything away from him. It actually uh, makes him all the more impressive. Right. Yeah. That like he, he was able to overcome these things to build this sort of intellectual armor that he could uh, maneuver through the world like that. Um, you know, and I don't know how accurate that is. Obviously, That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I decided when I was watching the movie that I wouldn't look up factual things or try to analyze it from a true historical more yeah. kind of like, this isn't meant to be like a history book, but it's meant to give you a glimpse of as accurate as one can dramatize real people, yeah. you know, not using word for word. And I thought, I thought it came across really well. I, I, I I wasn't bothered. I didn't feel like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing with this. And I, you know, by the end of it, I felt like I stopped knowing, I stopped relating with him of, oh, there's Ali. Oh, you know, there's Jim Brown. And it was like, oh, this is four friends 
who all are doing different things, but like it's almost this is gonna this is almost overly hyper hyperbolic, but it's almost like how if if you're familiar with the Bible and how I envision like you know when Christ <laughs> ascended and you got four 12 disciples that are like, what do we do now? And it's like, do we go out in the <laughs> yeah. world? Do we hide? And I kind of felt like that was what was going on here is you're kind of like, we've changed this this night and kind of where we are in the world and what we're all trying to figure out our next step. None of us are leaving tonight the same. And what is that going to look like? And I think there's very few times that people kind of are self-aware that they are going to change forever. I think that usually yeah. happens kind of subtly. And it was interesting that all of them knew that the next decision or decisions they made would change everything. And I think that's a terrifying thought. And I think you started to feel that like, you know, Jim Brown was wrestling with what do I do? And, you know, he's, he's not an, you know, he's a guy that carries himself very well. So everything I've ever seen of him, I don't see him as debating or trying to figure out or, and it was just fun going, Oh yeah, these aren't just characters. They aren't just, people on a movie screen or on an album I bought or, you know, historical picture of leading thousands on a March. You're like, these are still people. And I, yeah. I, I, I think that that was done very well and I'll give it credit to the writer. I think that he did a very nice job. Yeah. And, and again, credit to the writer in terms of just that scene on the roof, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be interested to see if that's just in the hotel room uh, in the play, but yeah, I, but the staging of that with the three athletes on one side and Malcolm X on the other, there's another point in the film where um, skin tone is brought up. Oh yeah. And, that was a really, really good scene. Yeah. And, and so again, you understand that Malcolm X is this, you know, uh, firebrand for uh, uh, African-American rights and civil rights and, and uh, self-determination. And yet even in that community, he's seen as less than yeah. because you know, he, he's, oh, he, his skin is lighter. So he's, he doesn't face as much hardship as say, you know, Jim Brown, for instance, who's, who's as dark a complexion or Sam Cooke. And I can't remember which character it is. I think it's Sam Cooke who mentions it to him. No, it, um, it, it was the best scene between Jim Brown and him. It was at the okay, table. Yeah, yeah. And that was yeah, the yeah. scene I was talking about earlier, that part of the scene is shot like a stage play. And then they yeah. go in and when they're, I mean, you are touching raw nerves in this dialogue and I'm yeah. like, why are we on a two shot from the side where I'm not seeing their faces right. or the reaction or the processing? And then to get in there, you're like, yeah, this is good. And then they cut back. I'm like, no, get back in there. This is what we're this is what we're paying admission for. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a really good scene. It's a it's a good scene. And it's it all of those things come up. So when they're up on the roof and it's like one of these things does not belong. Right. So, yes, Malcolm's not an athlete. Yes. Uh, he's not rich. He's he is, you know, in, in his way famous, but also it, he is not as dark as they are. And so, like, there's all these sort of things that are not they don't hit you over the head with it, which is why right. I appreciated the writing. And people can see it in different ways. And I'm sure, you know, an African-American person watching this movie is going to have a very different experience than, say, you or I. But um, that's what I appreciated about the stage play version of it. The writing is really well done. It brings up a lot of interesting topics. It doesn't shy away from stuff and it doesn't hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I appreciate that. And that's a skill, man. That's a, and, and similarly with Kemp Powers, interestingly enough that he 
was brought on to write and co-direct Soul, which we yes. talked about last week. Um, it's the same thing. Yeah. It it is not as we said. It's it's a movie with a black lead character. That's not about. It's being about black. Right. Exactly. And, and so, if, yeah. if I remember the 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 timing right uh, in the movie, the scene on the roof when they you know set up that one of us you know one of us doesn't belong. It is an economic, and it is a you know uh, like an athlete or you know it's more that like hey you yeah, yeah. you don't belong here. And I think the dialogue between him and Jim Brown, where they get into the skin color and where he you know he's not accepted fully by African Americans or whites. I think that happens afterwards. So it's almost like it, the audience makes a judgment call. Oh, I know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then because, and then I think it's interesting because I do think that an African-American watching this movie versus a Caucasian, you will experience it differently. And what they tried to do is open it up. You know, maybe that maybe, you know, X percentage of the white population, you know, has never thought about that before, you know, we always get labeled, okay, are you black? Are you white? Are you Asian? Right. And you hear all the time, they're like, Asian isn't a race. We have all these different countries in, you know, why then the same thing that happens with African-Americans are like, well, you're black. And you're like, well, that's not, you know, we got all the colors under the rainbow in our quote unquote ethnic group. And I think it was nice because it took you on a journey where it was opening up that world and saying, oh, what else have I not thought about in that light? And in these important discussions where, we're trying to understand humanity, trying to understand where there might be, you know, bias or unknown things that people are doing that we want to change. Like this is a sort of discussion that works because, you know, it's on a human level and you're like, Oh, I need to think about things or, you know, you have a dialogue and then you realize that, Oh, I was viewing the problem as this, but there's other dimensions to that. And right, I, I just right. thought that I thought it was a very skillfully, not preachy, but effective way to, to insert important discussions, which is the greatest part of film is when you can be entertained and have something to say, which ironically was the whole thing they were trying to beat through Sam Jones, uh, that, you know, he's made money, but is he really saying anything? And I think that's right. at the heart of all artists. We first try to make money and then you, <laughs> you try to buy your soul back. And, <laughs> and I understand that very well. Um, and yet it it works because again it's it's humankind it's not a black or white or rich or poor it's wherever you are you're going to find problems and and want to connect with people and i think this did a very good job of that yeah and interesting this, this brings up two more points that i want to get to one is sam cook again I, I love sam cook he's one of my favorite singers and i love that era of music like sam cook and marvin gay are like my two guys and um a big point in this film is that Sam Cooke is changed by this night and the civil rights experience and realizes that, you know, he's been in, in a sense, not doing what you just described, not expressing himself artistically, but sort of uh, cashing in. And so he writes the song change is going to come. And it's a great song. It's, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. It's phenomenal. And of course, Sam Cooke's one of the greatest singers of all time. And he performs it in the film it, it, at the end of the film. And it's this very sort of poignant, um, important part, a critical part of the film. And it really bugged me. And I'll tell you why. 
I first of all, I don't know if Leslie Odom is actually singing. He's of course Leslie Odom is a great singer. He's he's in Hamilton. If you want to uh, see him sing, I don't know if he's singing as Sam Cooke. If he is, he's spectacular doing a Sam Cooke imitation. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, that song is an iconic song from Spike Lee's Malcolm X. It's a pivotal song in that movie, and it is ex- expertly used in that movie. And I always identify that song with that movie. And I'm sure Spike Lee wants that to be the case, which is why he yeah. used it so well. And it's, it, it comes in, in Malcolm X, spoiler alert, it comes when Malcolm is driving and then walking to where he will soon die. And so it's this very heavy yeah. crucifixion vibe going on. And it's, I love that movie. It is one of the best movies of my lifetime. I love it. And that's, that song is part of it. And so I felt when they use it in this, it feels a little stolen a little derivative and really underwhelming comparatively. And that sucks, right? Because I guess you can't not use it. Yeah. Well, especially especially when you have Sam Cooke in the movie. Yeah. You can't pivot to a different iconic song. Yeah. You're, you're kind of stuck there to me, that final scene where he's singing, I can understand why they made it him and you, you were, you were, you were seeing his face and, you know, kind of, he's connecting the dots of, you know, okay, I'm trying to say something now. This is who I am. I'm, you know, speaking to my people or my cause or whatever you want to attribute to that. The problem was it left me empty. Like I would have loved, I would have, that's one time if I was going to expand either going back and seeing his friends, as they start to make their decisions and you realize that, you know, we're all changing and you could have tied it together, but it was just, he was out on an Island with nothing. And yeah. it just felt like I missed the emotional gut punch that it should have been. Um, not that it was bad. It just didn't, I felt like, man, I feel like this was a grenade that kind of was a dud as opposed to like, wow, that yeah. really hit me. That that really is well put because that that's the feeling is is it doesn't feel in any way, whether you you know, dramatically, artistically, emotionally, even psychologically, it doesn't feel satisfying. And that's unfortunate because yeah. you feel like the movie could be in in a sense. As much as the second half, it, it, I really enjoy, and it's much, much better than the first. The whole movie could have been redeemed if it ends with a with a bit more poignancy or or perfection or something. And so that's frustrating. Now, which brings me to the other topic I wanted to bring up. And this is this is sort of a hard thing, but everything that happens after that night is considerably more interesting than everything that happens on that night. True. And, you know, for instance, Cassius Clay becomes Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali becomes, uh, he, he's a member of the Nation of Islam, 
he and Malcolm X are crossing paths at that point because Malcolm X is leaving. Yep. Muhammad Ali's coming in. Now, something to consider, which is not brought up at the end of this movie, is that, at least I don't, I, I don't remember it being, Malcolm X and Sam Cooke are dead within the year. They only, they only point out that Malcolm X uh, was dead. And the problem was, is they gave a date. And I don't know if they ever stated. Right. Like the date earlier. So you're kind of like, oh, I knew he died. I don't really know when that was in relation to this. Yeah. You know, if they so would it's... open the movie in you know, here, it's, you know, 1984 or eight. Yeah. Nine, no. What? 1964. 64. Um, yeah. If they would have put it in there so that when you saw the date. Yeah. You know, I don't think the date they should have been like that was less than one year. And I don't think they pointed that out. I think they let people do the math. Yeah. So it, it's just under a year. Okay. So it's I think it's February 22nd. Malcolm X is killed and the fight was February 25th or something. But Sam Cooke is is murdered in Los Angeles in December of that year. Um, you know, these are and, and they're both killed. They're both shot to death uh, by other black people, which adds this element to the film, to, to their stories and not to the film, that feeds into what they're talking about in that room. Correct. You know, of this sort of figuring it out, what's going on internally within, uh, you know, the civil rights movement and the black community and things like that, and how that plays out. And in the case of two of the four people in that room, it played out horribly yeah you know um so that it's just that's an interesting thing especially with sam cook ending the movie singing that song the fact that he's dead you know in a matter of whatever it is nine months or something like that is horrifying but also important and quite poignant and could have really been used to emphasize his how important his um, transition was, how, how his come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better word, um, came at the end of his life, you know, just like Malcolm X had, had the same experience. Um, You know, and sadly, I just think the Jim Brown thing of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm not going to play for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to be a movie star, you know, okay. That's not particularly it, dramatically potent well um, i also feel like it felt it felt cheaper than everybody else's struggles yes <laughs> and i i don't feel like what he did and what he stood for and kind of what he's it felt like it was similar to the same level personally he did want to move but also i mean he's always been very involved in you know how to move how yeah. to move race relations and all that sort of stuff and so it was like oh and he just wants to make movies and you're like Oh man, some of those, it some seems, of those speeches feel like all right. Just, well, you it, yourself, it, yeah, and it's and it's hard because there's no singular. Yeah, he didn't have you know, a thing defining that, thing. Yeah, that you can say like, oh, well, he did this, but you know, Jim Brown has been this uh, iconic civil rights figure, you know, for sixty some odd years or something like that. You know, so to have it be like, oh, he, I'm the movie star. It's like, oh you're you know you're you're more than that let's not sell jim brown short man but anyway so hey i, I, just I tried to elevate him to being an airplane to being I an tried. airplane i really yeah. tried my best 
I wish I was an editor on Wikipedia. I totally put that in. Um, so anyway, I, I just felt the ending sort of lacked enough power and potency um, and precision to, to be, to elevate the film to where I wanted it to be. Because yeah. you're right, as we talked about, you talked about in the beginning, we don't watch movies, and I get this all the time, of like, oh, I'm, I'm such a harsh critic, and like, I hate these things, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, I am a harsh critic on films because I love film. Correct. And what I want is not just okay. I want something to be great. I want the people in it to be great. I want the writing to be great. I want the direction to be great. I want the cinematographer to be great. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in transcendent art. Now, well, let's put some, it this. Let me put it this way: for those people out there who are sports, are you telling me take basketball, football, baseball, whatever, and let's take an average team? Maybe they just make the playoffs. Are those players likely world-class athletes? Yes. Do they have yes. a player or two that might be the best player in the league, even though they're not the best team? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do we talk about teams that are the eighth seed that gets bounced right. in the first round? Or do we talk about the people who have like epic battles for the top? Excellence and as perfection isn't a thing, but excellence is what you're striving for. And so it's not that, you know, I mean, Regina King did not knock it out of the ballpark. Is she like a train wreck? No, not by any stretch. No. Like no. I would absolutely hire her for something else because if this is her first thing, she definitely like has chops to get better. But that's not saying that she can't direct. You know, some of the staging stuff that can get better. Like what we're trying to figure out is what would make it better and what could you do. We're also not there. We have no idea what limitations they had. We don't know what they were dealing with. And sometimes when I'm making a movie, sometimes you know, heck, take Jaws, take Jaws. Their shark doesn't work, and they come up with something that makes the movie better. And then sometimes you don't have a solution and it makes the movie worse from, you know, stuff that we never know. And so at the end, it's just the movie is what the movie is. And our job is to take a look at it and figure out what we would have done differently if we were executives and what we'd like to see better. And, you know, people either agree or just think that we hate movies. Exactly. And so for me, the sports analogy is great. It's just like, OK, listen. I'm not interested in being like, oh, I really love this eight and eight Cleveland Browns team. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm not really interested in eight and eight. I'm interested in, you know, 13 and three and goes to the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl or, you know what I mean? It's just like, no, this is, this is what we're talking about. And right. so I think there's, this gets into a bigger discussion, which maybe we could have another time, but like the really sad and sorry state of film criticism nowadays is it's pathetic it is absolutely pathetic and so when people are like oh dude lighten up this is it's not that bad i'm like no 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 no. it's not a function of me saying it oh it's not that bad it's not that good correct and i want things to be great correct. i love great movies there is nothing that transcends anything more than a great movie for me correct. so just in the past week i watched Godfather one and two, which I know you hate because you hate Italian people. Yeah, I do. Um, hundred <laughs> percent so, true. It's true. I hate Italians. Yeah, I just I um, hate Italians. I hate uh, pizza. I hate pasta. I hate <laughs> wine. Everything that they stand for, I hate. Ours, <laughs> yeah, pui. <laughs> you hate it. So I watch those movies, and it's just like holy 
cow, man. Like, what? What are we doing? This is just so crazy. I watched this movie, and, you know, I've watched the Godfather movies probably every year for the last, I don't know, 40 years or something. And I watched this movie, and it's like, well, huh, yeah. you know, some of the performances are really good. And, and as an acting coach, I can tell you, uh, working with, with the people in this movie would be a treat because they're all really great actors. Yeah. Right? Now, are they doing great performances every moment of this film? No, they're not. Um, but some of them are really interesting. Uh, like I said, Kingsley Benadire gives a really interesting performance that easily, in lesser hands, could have just been a nightmare. It could have just been a cheap knockoff. Same with, with the guy playing Ali and, and all this Hodge. And Leslie Odom, like, these are real performances and real actors doing genuine work. It doesn't always work, but they're doing it. And so I, by being critical of the film, I'm not slamming anybody. Of being critical of any movie, Correct. I'm not saying that, like, I'm better than them. <laughs> That's the other thing that drives me. Everybody's like, oh, so you could do it? No, I couldn't do it. That's why I'm sitting here talking about it. If I could do it, I'd go do it. What I'm saying is, is that, you have to try and be great and sometimes things are out of your hand and you can't control the lack of uh, what comes together but that's what i'm interested in is great films being made by great artists and if that means that i'm harsh or whatever i'm not going to abandon yeah. <laughs> that position trust me and if you want to go listen to or read some weak need Lily livered <laughs> critic <laughs> who's interested, by the way, in access and not interested in telling you the truth and not interested in love of cinema. They just want to be able to interview the stars from these movies or interview the directors or, or get free passes or whatever. You go right ahead and do that. Yeah, you want to hear the truth? You, you come talk to me. I'll tell you the truth, <laughs> God damn it. Now I'm all fired up, Barry. You got me off. I don't even know how I got on this topic. What are we doing? <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to have a, spe a special episode on, uh, on, on critiquing film. Oh, God. Yeah. So, okay, everybody. By the way, welcome to uh, everybody who knows me's life. Just hearing me rant and rave there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> just about nothing. It's complete, complete insane asylum in here. Good Lord. Okay, Barry, back to the play One Night in Miami that you yeah, wanted to yeah. talk about. So any final thoughts? I mean, I think that if people have access, um, it's definitely worth a watch. And I think some people will find it more, you know, more impactful or more enthralling than others. And, you know, it's, it's a movie that is worth seeing, uh, maybe not owning and watching 37 times, but you know, it's not, it's not a masterpiece, but it's not a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say it's on Amazon prime. If you have Amazon prime, sit down and watch it. Yeah. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt you. Uh, be patient with it. it. Takes about an hour to get good. <laughs> Wait, you then... say that man, people are going to rush out <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> that's going to, again, that's going to be one of the things you're going to use a quote for the, for the marketing oh, for yeah. this film. Yeah. Quote, it takes an hour to get good. <laughs> uh michael mccaffrey god love him so yeah i would just say if you can watch it for free give it a watch and enjoy the performances and uh the interesting writing 
and then you know just go about your life it's not going to change you one way or the other that's what i think all right barry i think we're done here sounds good man <laughs> what do you think all right yeah i think it was a good one i think this went really well everybody got a real glimpse of who we are all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to look in california field minnesota i i consider it the greatest cinema podcast in the history of podcasting and uh the recorded word so thank you so much we'll see you next time stay out of trouble